Hey, good morning. There's people here. Hey, woo. Hey, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. It's great to have you with us. Welcome to Edinburgh Church. Uh, I also just want to say, hey, thanks for tuning in online, too. If you're still worshiping with us at home, so good to have you joining us this morning. Uh, my name is Joshua. If you don't know who I am, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before I say another word, let me just say this. Hey, if you have kids with you, don't sweat it. It is absolutely okay. I know they're going to get restless. They're going to get antsy. They're going to be like, the guy up front is boring. It's okay. If they get a little antsy, just let them squirm. There's, nobody's going to judge you. It's total, we're just glad you're here. Okay, so, so be at peace. Just relax and, uh, and uh, make yourself at home today. So, hey, we're in week three of our series called Hashtag Blessed. And what we're doing is we're looking at the Beatitudes that Jesus Christ laid out at the front end of the Sermon on the Mount. Eight sayings, uh, uh, attitudes I would call them, of the heart that he challenges his listeners to live out. And I thought I'd set up today's message with a, with a story. And it goes like this. Years ago, true story, at a state hospital, the staff who worked with emotionally wounded or, or mentally ill they wanted to start some halfway houses in the community so that people who are on their way to full recovery could be supported while making the transition back into outside life. So rather than taking one giant step from the hospital life back into the world, they'd be encouraged to take small steps into these halfway houses. Well, this was not a very uh, well-received idea in the community. Um, with, especially with the prospect of these new buildings going up and these, these halfway houses. So there was a city council meeting. The, pe- the meeting was absolutely packed. Hundreds of people squeezed into this tiny meeting room, yelling, shouting their opposition to these halfway houses. Well, after a couple brief presentations and, of course, some more shouting, the city council voted and said no to the proposal. Just then, the back doors of the, the, the uh, room opened, and in came this tiny woman standing barely over four feet tall with a white scarf over her head. Suddenly, it was so quiet that even the people in the balcony could hear the hushed question, is that Mother Teresa? It was Mother Teresa. She was in town for a ceremony, and she had heard about the city council meeting. She came down the center aisle. She got down on her knees in front of the entire city council. And here's what she said. She said, in the name of Jesus Christ, make room for these children of God. When you reject them, you reject Jesus. When you affirm them, you embrace Jesus. I know you'll do the right thing. And then she left. Now, after a very very long, awkward pause, one of the councilmen made a motion to reconsider the previous uh, uh, motion. Then there was a second, and then the entire council did a complete about turn, and they voted unanimously in favor of the halfway houses in their community. Friends, there was hundreds of people packed into that hall, and not one of them uttered an opposition to this motion. Why? because of a sweet little old woman who spoke with irresistible gentleness and strength. I would submit to you that Mother Teresa is a living example of what it means 
to be meek. And that's what we're going to look at today. In, in Matthew 5, verse 5, Jesus is talking to the crowd gathered there, and he said this. We get to verse 5. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, I believe this word meek, it gets a bad rap, okay? I think we associate meekness with weakness, especially as a guy. I'm just going to be completely honest. It doesn't sound very appealing. You want me to be meek? It sounds wimpy. Yet, here we have Jesus telling us that in order for us to have a blessed life, to, to be content, as we talked about week one, to, to be satisfied, to have deep satisfaction, to be happy, we should strive to live out being meek. The word meek, it doesn't really mean weak at all. Check out a couple other translations just to help us broaden our understanding of what it means to be meek. The HCSB says it this way. It says, God blesses those who are gentle. Good definition. The NLT says it this way. God blesses those who are humble. Two great words, two great definitions that help us understand what it means to be meek. Let me, let me broaden this even more, okay? Back in Jesus' day, the Greeks of the time, they would use this same word, the Greeks, the same word meek to describe a stallion that had been broken, a powerful horse that was trained. It was disciplined. It was no longer wild. It, it was a powerful, controlled, yet gentle creature. If I could give you a, a good definition of meek, it would be this. Definition of meek would be controlled, gentle strength. I think that's an excellent definition of the word meek. Now, just for the sake of clarity, okay, I'm going to use the word gentle in my outline for the rest of the morning. So anytime I use the word gentle, let's just agree that it's synonymous with the word meek. I think it'll help just kind of bring clarity to the morning. So let's just ask the first question. Okay, Jesus challenged us to live this out. Well, why? Okay, why should I live out meekness? Why should I live out gentleness? Well, let me just give you two reasons. I think, first of all, when we choose to live out this attitude of being meek, of being gentle, it, it, it makes me more like Jesus. It does. It, I'm acting like Jesus when I live out being meek. Jesus was the perfect template of what it means to be human. He was the perfect example of meek. Did you know there's only two people in the entire Bible called meek? Jesus and Moses. Only two people. Jesus was the perfect example of controlled, gentle strength. Look at what Jesus says about himself in Matthew chapter 11. Here's what he says. I love these verses. I come back to these verses all the time. Come to me, he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Sounds like meek, and you'll find rest for your souls. Man, I'm telling you, every time I read that, I'm like, that sounds so good. Sign me up. I want more of that. I want more peace in my life. I want more rest for my soul, especially in these crazy days. Now, I might be stretching a little bit here, so, so give me a little grace. But I actually think there's a correlation between listening to Jesus' words of saying, hey, you got junk in your life, heavy stuff? Let me help you carry that. I think there's a correlation between doing that, giving Jesus the stuff in our lives, so that it frees us up to actually be more gentle. 
I think there's a correlation between peace and gentleness. Because when I'm dealing with hard, heavy stuff, do you know what I am? I'm more irritable. I'm not as kind. But if I learn where I should place that, that tough stuff I'm going through, guess what? That, I think that frees me up to be gentler. Does that make sense? I think there's a correlation there. I think sometimes, I'm, I'm going to confess this, we, we think we can just white-knuckle it. Like, I'm, I'm going to be more patient, you know? It's like, I just, you force yourself, and it just doesn't work, does it? Maybe even this is the same with gentle. Like, this week, I'm going to be more gentle, and we think we can just tough it through. But that's not, that's not how a partnership with God works. Jesus said, come to me. Hey, let me help you. Let's take this yoke together. It's got to be an inside work. It can't be something that we white knuckle and say, we're just going to get better at it. No, we need help. Galatians calls these the fruit of the Spirit. Well, you only get fruit by a tree being nourished, being cultivated, right? And then the natural outcome is fruit. Look at Galatians 5. Here's what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is, I bet you've heard this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Friends, it's God's Spirit in our lives producing it in you. I'm not by nature a gentle person. I'm not. And I would maybe argue that maybe you're not either. We are not by nature gentle people. We're not. We've got to learn it, and we have to let God cultivate it in our lives. It's an attitude that says this. It says, Jesus, God, help me to treat everybody I meet like Jesus would. Everybody I comes across my path, help me to treat them like Jesus would. That's the attitude. That's why we should live out meekness. It makes us more like Jesus. Well, second reason that I think we should strive to live out being meek, being gentle, is that it's a witness to an unbeliever. It's an incredible story to those around you. It says something to an unbeliever. I believe that. When people watch you, they're watching to see if there's anything different about you. They're they're watching to see if you're any different under pressure than they are. People are watching. And when you respond to situations around you with gentleness, that's an incredible testimony to the world. Paul wrote to this guy named Titus, and it says this in Titus chapter 3. He said this. He said, they, he's talking about believers, believers must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to just the people that they get along with. That's not what it says. Gentle and show true humility to everyone. Here's what the Bible says, friends. If you're a believer, you're not to speak evil of anyone. Now, does that mean you can't disagree with them? Of course not. Of course you can disagree. You can disagree with people. You just can't speak evil or slander them. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't personally attack them. That's the challenge for us. Well, even the people that hurt you? Yeah. Even the people that hurt you. We are called in all cases to be gentle and show humility to everyone. People around you, they aren't going to trust Jesus until they first trust you. Are you, appear, are you what you appear to be? Are you the real deal? Are you gentle? Are you loving? Are you compassionate? Friends, if, if people like what they see, 
I'm just telling you, they're going to be more likely to listen to what you say. But first, they've got to like what they see. Gentleness is a witness to unbelievers. I just got to speak candidly. If you're really going to get serious about this and say, God, I want to cultivate biblical, godly characteristics. Help me to grow in these areas. Help me to grow in gentleness. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to take some heat for this. I do. I think people are going to criticize you for anytime you treat someone with gentleness that disagrees with you or has different views, different opinions, you're going to come under attack. Do you want to know why? They're going to look at you and say, why are you being kind to that person? And then here's what they're going to accuse you of. You're compromising. I've seen it a hundred times. Just because we show gentleness and compassion to someone does not mean we're compromising, but that's what you could get accused of. I see it. Friends, we don't compromise what we believe. You just treat everybody with respect. You treat everybody with courtesy, whether you agree with them or not. But if you do, I'm just telling you, people are like, you can't be nice to those people. Now, they might not say that outright, but they're implying it. You can't be nice to those people. Why not? Because then you'll become like them. What? Friends, that's just foolish thinking. I don't agree with that. I just don't. 1 Peter 3. What does it say? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But don't miss the next sentence. But do this with gentleness and respect. No matter what they believe, no matter how they act, no matter how ungodly they are, you're called to do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, (laughs) Bible thumping, it's not going to get you very far. I'm just being honest. If you think you can beat people up with theology, you're not going to get anywhere. Gentleness is the best witness to those around you. It speaks volumes. So we've talked about why. Like, why, we, why should we live out this thing called meekness? Why should we be gentle? But as I studied this, and as I looked a little bit more about being gentle, living out gentleness, I noticed there, the Bible speaks volumes about that there's benefits to being a gentle person. So I just want to share with you some lifelong benefits of being gentle. The, the first one would be this. I think gentleness is persuasive. It just is. I, I just, I'm swayed more easily by people that are kinder to me. We tend to think, especially here in America, that in order to make a pitch, to get people's attention, we got to be flashy, we got to be clever, we got to be smooth talking, we even got to be louder than the other guy. We got to be loud and boisterous. That's how you persuade people. I'm just, I'm convinced it's, it just doesn't work in the long run. I really don't. Do you guys remember the sham wow guy? Sham wow, I have a picture. This is Vince Offer, which I think is hilarious that his last name is Offer because he's going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. That's such a bad joke. Um, Vince Offer, right, he's known as, he helped sell millions of sham wow. I just got to know, did anybody buy a sham wow? Were you one of those people? (laughs) They totally worked. I'm just saying. Sham wow, right? But he he just, he has this personality. He was this smooth talking, out there, kind of semi-abrasive, and he was just good at the sales pitch, okay? 
And, and all you had to do is you had to be loud and fast and hard and strong. And people would go, okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy a sham well. I'm just not convinced that this works anymore. I'm really not. If I'm honest, because now I'm talking for me, when somebody comes on really hard and forceful, you know what my first reaction is? Back off. Like, I am not buying anything from you. In fact, I hate it. You know, you can't go to the mall right now, but I hate it when I would go to the mall, and you know the people that work in the kiosks, like in the middle of the mall, and they try to get you to come over to their kiosk because they want to make a sales pitch? I hate it. I would like skirt along the edges just to avoid the people in the kiosk because I didn't want to talk to them because they were pushy. I don't, it bothers me. Uh, you know, my wife and I right now, we're going through the process of we've got a couple windows that need to be replaced, so we're replacing a few windows. First guy came in, did the sales pitch, super pushy. He wouldn't leave until we gave him a yes or a no answer right on the spot. Do you think we went with that guy? Nope. Said, then the answer is no. So what did we do? We did what most people do. We asked for recommendations. Hey, who have you used? What are some other companies? And we got some, and they came in, and guess what? They were kind. They were gentle. They were like, oh, yeah, take your time. Here's, here's the offering. You, know, you got 30 days to think, oh, just let us know. No big deal. That's who we went with because it was gentler. I'm just not convinced pushy works anymore. Listen to the wisdom of Proverbs 16. It says, the wise, the wise are known for their understanding. And pleasant words are persuasive. Now, I don't know if you're a write-in-your-Bible kind of person, but if you are, I'd say, you know what you should do? You should circle the word pleasant and circle the word persuasive and then, like, draw a line between the two. Because if you want to be persuasive, if you want to persuade people to your idea, to your thought, to your product, or anything else, even your faith, your words must be pleasant. The more pleasant your words are, I'm telling you, the more persuasive you'll be. When you're abrasive, when you use abrasive language, I'm telling you, you're going to defeat any progress of moving forward. Friends, gentleness is persuasive. That's a lifelong benefit of being gentle. Another one is gentleness. It shows love. It just does. It shows love. Can I talk to the guys in here for a minute? Guys, you're married. The quickest way to improve your marriage is to start talking to your wife more gently. I tell, it'll do wonders if you'll begin to talk to your wife in a more gentle way. Look at Colossians. He calls us out. What does it say? Husbands, love your wives and be gentle with them. Hey, speaking as a guy, again, full disclosure, it's not hard for me as a man to be selfish. Totally admit it. It just, I just have a bend that way. It's not hard for me to be a jerk. It doesn't take much for me to act that way. But that's not really how I want to act in my marriage. I, that's not really what I want to model for my kids. Now, I think the secret ingredient here is the ability to be gentle, to be humble, and to learn two words. I'm sorry. There's incredible power in that. I've been married to Christina, my wife, for 20 years. I have hurt her many times. And she's hurt me just a few times. And we've had to learn to get really good at forgiving one another, saying, I'm sorry. That is a huge part 
of gentleness, and it, it communicates love. But then here's what happened. I got married, and then guess what? We had kids. Now I have to practice this principle in raising my kids. Oh, boy. I need to practice how to discipline gently out of love and not out of anger or frustration. And my kids will be the first to tell you that I am definitely still working on this. <laughs> I am. But Ephesians 6, here's what it says. Again, it calls out the guys, it calls out the dads. Fathers, don't stir up. Don't stir up anger in your children. Don't push their buttons. Don't get on their nerves. Don't stir up anger. Be gentle. He's calling us to be meek with your kids. I need to continue to work as a parent to display and show my kids gentle, controlled strength. That's being meek. Not to yell, to be calm in conversations and not exasperate my kids, push their buttons. Why? Because gentleness communicates love. Another lifelong benefit that I see of gentleness right out of the Bible is that gentleness earns respect. I'm just telling you, I have a higher, greater respect for people that are gentler and more meek. I do. I'm, I'm kind of a history nerd. I'm, I'm reading the Civil War book right now, and, and, and a person that comes to mind was Abraham Lincoln. This was a guy who was known as a gentle man. He was known for his gentle spirit. He even showed gentleness in the way that he treated defeated South with, with respect. And what did he do? He brought them back into the fold. If he hadn't been a gentleman, I almost wonder if we'd still be a divided nation. But he was. He was known as a gentle-spirited man. And it made a huge impact. There's a story in the Bible that I need you, I, I, I want you to hear. And it's really going to illustrate this, this point. And it's, it's, it's a, a story about a guy named Rehoboam. And it's found in 1 Kings 12. Now, in the Bible, there's this really famous guy named King David. You've probably all heard of King David, who united all of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, he became, and he made it one nation. Together, the 12 tribes became quite a super, they became a powerhouse. Absolutely the most powerful nation the world had ever seen. They had a lot of land, and they were very strong. Now, David had a son named Solomon. Then Solomon expanded the empire of Israel, okay, and he united the tribes even more. They were at their greatest power at this point in history, okay? They were the most powerful nation at the time. Solomon was the wisest man in the world. He was the wealthiest man in the world, and he was the most powerful man in the world. Well, then Solomon died, and he handed the reins to his son named Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam had no experience, no wisdom, but he started off by doing the right thing. Here's what he did. He gathered the older leaders of the country, of the nation, and he, they were called the elders. He gathered them together and he said, hey, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have much experience. Could you guys tell me how can I lead this nation, run this nation with the same wisdom and integrity as my, my dad and my grandpa? And that was a really, really smart thing to do. That was like, good call, Rehoboam, right? So he listened. And here's what the elders said to him. They said, Rehoboam, listen, if you do these two things, the people will follow you anywhere. He said, first, if you genuinely serve them and you show them that you're here to meet their needs. That's the first thing. And second, he said this, if you always speak to them 
gently. Don't do a power grab. Don't be on an ego trip. Speak to them gently, and I'm telling you, these people will follow you anywhere. That was a really good move by Rehoboam. Then he did something really, really stupid. He then goes to all his young buddies, his, his friends, and he says, well, what do you guys think I should do? And here's what they said. They had the exact opposite advice. They said, you got to prove you're the big shot. You're the guy in charge now. You've got the power. It's your right to be king. Okay? You got to be tough. You got to be hard. You got to be demanding. You got to lay down the law right here and now and let everybody know you're the boss. And that's exactly what Rehoboam did. Do you guys know what happened? The entire nation rebelled. Okay? They went into riots, they went into chaos, and eventually a civil war broke out. And 10 of the 12 tribes split off from Israel and formed their own kingdom. And that was the end of united Israel. Why? Listen to this. Because Rehoboam refused to be gentle. It was a dumb move. Instead, what did he do? He threw his weight around. Friends, gentleness earns respect. And the more gentle you are, I'm telling you, the more respected you're going to be. This is why you, I hope you can understand meekness. It is not a weakness. It's a strength. And gentleness will earn you respect. Well, the last benefit that I want to share with you, lifelong benefit of being gentle, living out gentleness, is that gentleness, you know what it does? It de-escalates conflict. It does. You ever been in a room where the temperature, it just... I'm not talking about the literal temperature. I'm talking about people disagree and you can just feel it going up. Oh, it's so awkward and so hard. I'm telling you though, gentleness, it de-escalates conflict. Did you know that in any given situation, this is your science lesson for the day, in any given situation, in your interactions with another person, your brain produces something called mirror neurons. I, I didn't know this. This is a scientific fact. It's the tendency of human beings to mimic the emotions of the person across from us. Mirror neurons, they allow us to sympathize and mirror back what people feel. For example, if somebody's really depressed and you hang around them long enough, you start to get depressed. If someone is energetic, you get energetic. Now, the downside, of course, is this. What happens is usually someone starts to raise their voice and their tone against you, and then you raise your tone and your voice. And so they raise their voice higher, and then we raise our voice higher. And pretty soon what happens, it's escalated, and now your emotions are completely out of control. Listen to the wisdom of Proverbs 15. Here's what it says. A gentle, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word, it stirs up anger. A gentle answer, it repels. It repels wrath. But you know what? A harsh word stirs the pot. It just does. It's going to escalate. Here's my takeaway from this verse. Practical. When other people raise their voice, you should focus really, really hard on lowering yours. I believe that simple tip is going to save you from an enormous amount of conflict and heartache 
in your marriage, in your parenting, in your friendships, at work, wherever. When other people raise their voice, we've got to learn, just like God help me, help lower my voice. Friends, you know what that, you know what that demonstrates? That is gentle, controlled strength. That's being meek. Gentleness, it de-escalates conflict. All right, let's get super practical as I start to wrap this up because I want you to live this out this week and in the weeks ahead. Who could you show gentleness to this week? Who could you show? I want to give you two down-to-earth, rubber-meets-the-road ways that you can live this out this week. First one would be this. Hey, you know what? You can show gentleness this week to someone who serves you. Show gentleness to someone who serves you this week. I'm telling you, you're going to be out, you're going to be doing stuff, right? You're going to be out, and there's going to be people that are serving you this week. Maybe there's a waitress, maybe a clerk in a store, a, a checkout person, taking, you know, your, your, your fast food order through the drive-thru. Hopefully, you know, not th- this one, but maybe you'll have to wait in line at the DMV, and it's really, really a long wait. I hope that's not you, but you might have to show someone some patience and gentleness. When people serve you this week, be understanding. Be patient. Be gentle. Don't be a jerk. Listen, if they get your burger order wrong, so what? In the grand scheme of life, does it really matter? No. Friends, let's show gentleness to the people that serve us this week. True story. A couple weeks ago, it was Mother's Day, and my, my, my wife, she really, really wanted chilies. Okay, so we ordered it online, and you got to drive up to pick it up for, for Mother's Day. And I was super excited. I was there. I waited 15 minutes, and this, I could tell this girl was fragile. She was running in and out, bringing bags of food to cars. She was getting them into the wrong cars. People were getting upset with her. And I, I even found myself like, come on, I've been here for 15 minutes. Finally, she, I paid, and then I had to wait even longer. Finally, she brought our food out. And I was like, I just took a breath, and I'm like, you know what? She's doing the best. And I, was, I said, I, I looked at her, I said, you know what? You're doing a great job. You're doing great. You got to be busy today. She's like, oh, we're so busy. And then she said, thank you. Thank you for saying that. All I said was, hey, keep it up. That's all it was. And you could see her shoulders just drop like two inches. It was like this weight just... Show people gentleness this week, the people that serve you. This last one I want to leave you with probably is going to be a little bit harder. I would challenge you this week to show gentleness to someone who disagrees with you this week. There's a lot of that going around, isn't there? It's like the American way. It's like you're not American if you're not in conflict with someone. We, we're going to have disagreements. Okay, now listen very carefully. Being gentle, it doesn't mean you cave on your convictions. That is not what I am saying. Some of my good friends are people who would strongly disagree with me about certain things. But that doesn't mean that I compromise what I believe. That's not what I'm saying. If someone tells you something is wrong when you know it's right, especially according to Scripture, you stand your ground. But listen to me. I hope you'll hear my heart. You can be tender in a disagreement. You cannot be a bully and you're saving a friendship. I, I found this passage, and I'm going to close with this. 
thought, man, that is so spot on. I found this passage in Romans 14, and I want to read it for you, and it's from the message version of the Bible, but it's so spot on. Listen to this. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers, and I would argue anybody. Welcome with open arms, people who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they're on, they are strong on opinions, but weak in in the faith department. Just remember, they have their own history to deal with. Friends, we have no idea where they're coming from. And then this last sentence, treat them gently. I'm telling you guys, that's being like Jesus. That's treating everybody gently and meekly. You don't have to destroy those that you disagree with. You don't. There are so many people, they just want to go for the verbular, the verbular, the verbal, the verbal jugular. They just do. They're like, they, it's all, for them, it's all about I win, you lose, I'm right, you're wrong. And that's all they care about. But friends, what is more important? To make a point? Or to make a friend with an unbeliever or even a fellow Christian? I would argue the latter is far more important. I want to challenge us. Let's work to live out being gentle and meek this week. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, they're the ones that will inherit the earth. What an awesome promise, you guys. Amen? Cool. Hey, I just want to take a quick moment to say, so great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in online. We're going to continue to worship in just a moment. And this would be the time where we would usually uh, collect an offering or gift and, uh, and just praise the Lord through our giving. Uh, because of the COVID thing, we're not doing that. But if you did bring a gift or a financial uh, a donation today, let me just say thank you. We really appreciate your generosity in, in supporting the ministry here. There's two giving boxes out on the pillars. You can drop those in there. Or if you think of it too, we would really appreciate it. You can go to edinburghchurch.org, go up to the Give tab, and you can give a financial gift electronically too. So we just really appreciate your support of the ministry here. It's good to see you guys. Love you. Let's continue to worship.